The Bible reading for today is Luke chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. But I'm going to begin reading at verse 32. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad... Your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Well, I'm going to begin today with a little recap of last week. And the reason for that is because Jesus has been teaching and nothing much has changed. Here, Jesus is continuing to teach and there's nothing in between times. In fact, he finishes one sentence and he begins another. There's no change in location. uh, There's no change in circumstance. There's no narration to suggest that we might be moving on to a different topic. No other person butts in in between times and asks a different question or anything. Um, And so there's nothing to suggest that we're moving on to another topic. And yet it's surprisingly easy for us to miss this uh, because our Bibles, to make things easier for us to find stuff, they insert a whole lot of headings all over the place. And so in chapter 11 of my Bible, it has the headings, The Lord's Prayer, and then Jesus and Beelzebul, and then The Return of an Unclean Spirit, and then true blessedness, and then the sign of Jonah, and then we move into today's topic, the light in you. And the thing is, whenever we come to a new heading, often we just assume that we're moving on to a different topic. The problem is often we're not. You see, not one of those headings were inserted by Luke. The publishers of our Bibles have put them there to help us to navigate. And that's not a bad thing. We just need to be aware of it. Because the problem is that these headings, they cause us to disconnect the bit before the heading from the bit after the heading. And in this case, we we really shouldn't do that because they really belong together. Right? So here's the recap. The crowds have been growing and they're wanting to see the signs and the wonders. But Jesus basically says to them, the only sign that you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And that's like a twofold sign. Jonah preached the word of God, repent of sin and be saved. And Nineveh responded to this. But one greater than Jonah is here. Who's that? And all the Sunday school kids would say, Jesus. Jesus is greater than Jonah. Yes, he is. Listen to him. The people of Nineveh listened to Jonah. You listen to Jesus. Don't hold back hoping that you're going to get another sign because we're not saved by signs. We're saved by faith. So believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And the second part of the sign of Jonah was that Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days. Jesus would be in the ground for three days. And so the second sign is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Right. So that was what we talked about last week. 
And verse 32 from last week concluded, um, and I'm going to read it to you now and follow straight on into verse 33 of this week to see how it holds together. So verse 32. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, look, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. See, it's not a separate topic. It continues. The word behold means look. I don't know why our Bible's all still translated as behold. When do we use the word behold in our language? It simply means look. So look, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or, or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Right? Look, see. It's all part of the one message. Jesus was proclaiming the word of God and his teaching and his preaching, it wasn't done in secret. He didn't hide away. He, he didn't te teach his disciples in the back rooms where nobody would hear it. He went to the streets. He taught in the synagogues. He gathered crowds on the side of a mountain and he gave them a picnic while he talked to them. And he used a boat as a stage so that nobody on the shore would, would miss out on, on what he had to say. Jesus is the lamp, shining the gospel, shining the word of God out into a dark world. It was plain as day for anyone who was willing to see it. So there was no need for further signs and wonders. Something greater than Jonah is here. Can you not see this? So that's pretty much what Jesus was saying. You see, in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a similar metaphor of a light on a stand. But in Matthew, we are the light. Disciples of Jesus are the light. And we'll sort of get to that, that point too in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, but not just yet. He didn't keep the Gospel hidden. He is the light on the stand. So at this point, Jesus is telling us that he is this light on the stand for everyone to see. Right? So you with me? And so it should be obvious that someone great has come. And you know what? Even Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that wasn't kept hidden either. That also was the light on the lampstand, Jesus on the cross. And he was snuffed out and even the sun went dark. So let's move on. In verse 34, so we've been told that Jesus is the light on that lampstand. Now in verse 34, the focus shifts from Jesus and the word of Jesus to how that word is perceived. It shifts from the lamp of, on the stand to the eye of the beholder. And this is where it starts to get a little bit trickier. And it gets a bit trickier because it's a mixing of metaphors. Um, so he talks about how your eye is the lamp of your body. Now he's talking about his teaching. So that's what we hear, but he's talking about our eyes. He's talking about what we see, but he's talking about shining light. It sort of gets a little bit tricky. The eye is the lamp of your body. What 
could that possibly mean? Um, as most of you know, I, I've recently had my cataracts removed and I now have something called interocular lenses. That's, is that the right word for it, Karen? Yep, interocular lenses now. And um, you see, the reason I had to do it was because my, my own lenses in my eyes were getting cloudy, they were getting opaque and so everything was getting dull. And I'd sort of gotten around this by putting brighter and brighter and brighter lights into the house such that people would walk in and go, oh my goodness. And, but it, for me, things were still getting dull. And so my next step, I think, was to, to go and investigate putting some football lights in, the, in there, sort of like what they have on the stands in the Gabba, you know. But Robin thought it would be a better idea for me to get my lenses replaced than for me to scorch the furniture with the lights. So that's what we did. And now everything's plenty bright enough in the house. But there's something strange to happen with my eyes. Robin now tells me that my eyes sparkle. My eyes sparkle. And, and I sort of, so when the light sort of comes at a certain angle, sometimes it just sparkles. And, and I picture this sort of like the gallant, virtuous superhero, you know, how they get that sparkle in their eye, ting. And, um, but no, Robin actually tells me it's more like that creepy animated teddy bear in the horror movie. <laughs> she, it's, um, I, I just can't seem to win. Sorry? <laughs> you said exactly that. <laughs> right, so is that what it means for your, for your eyes to be the lamp of the body? body? You too, your eyes too can sparkle. No. Think of it in terms of a camera. Um, the light enters a camera through a lens. And... What the picture actually records, and, and some of you old people will remember something called film. Do you remember something called film, some of you? I do. Um, for you younger folk, film is something that used to keep you poor, if you like doing photography. Um, it was something you would put into your camera, it would get, get you 24 or 36 exposures on a film, and, and if you were like me and you didn't earn a lot of money back in the day, it was something that I used to ration. So if I was on holidays, I'd take a fair few photos, but other than that, I would pace myself. And sometimes the film, when I get it developed, I go, goodness me, when was that? And realise it was nearly a year ago. And so I'd sort of forget what I'd actually taken photos of. Um, but how good it was with the invention of the digital camera. And that's right, young people. We used to have cameras and phones. Yep. Um, a camera on your phone, what, how ridiculous. What do you think we were, the Jetsons? And, and unless you were Maxwell Smart, your phone was wired into the house anyway, um, so there was no point putting the phone on it. And some of you have no idea who Maxwell Smart is, and now I'm feeling really old. But I'm digressing. How does a camera work? Whether it's a digital camera, whether it's a phone camera, whether it's a film camera or whatever, the light enters through a lens and the quality of that lens determines the quality of the photo. So if the lens is all smudged and dirty, then the photo will be smudged. If the lens is tinted, the photo will be darkened. If the lens is yellow, it removes certain wavelengths from the light and the image will be yellowed. If the lens is green, it removes all of the red. And so if you take a photo of something that's bright red, it'll actually look black. 
And some lenses will distort photos. So a fisheye lens changes the perspective completely, as does a telephoto lens, just in a different way. Are you with me? The light enters a camera through a lens and it depends on the lens as to whether the light is good, whether the light is true, or whether it's distorted. Whether it's the colour is distorted, or whether the brightness is distorted, or whether the contrast is distorted, or whether the shape of the picture itself is distorted. Depends on how the light comes in through that lens. And your eye is a lens as well. It does exactly the same thing as a lens on a camera. Our vision is light that has passed through the lens of our eye and the lens focuses the light onto the rear of our eye called the retina. Am I still right there, Karen? I think it's the retina, the back bit. Yep. And, and that's what forms the image. Now, for me, I had a cataract. So my image was distorted. Everything was darkened. And at night time, a bright street light would have a halo around it. Some of you are long-sighted. Your lens distorts things so that what you see is out of focus. And especially if you want to try and read something close, you've got to put glasses on to correct that lens. Some of you are short-sighted. And your lens distorts things so that things that are far away don't come into focus. And so you have to wear glasses, especially when you're driving, so you can see what's up ahead. Some of you have something called astigmatism. And so a round circle looks more like an oval. A soccer ball might look more like a football. And you need glasses to correct the astigmatism. It's fascinating stuff. But of course, Jesus isn't talking about optics and optometry. He's talking about our spiritual perspective. And so when he says, your eye is the lamp of your body, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. When it is bad, your body is full of darkness. He's talking about how we perceive spiritual truth. You see, when the word of God is proclaimed, and when we read the word of God, we filter it through a lens. We all do. I know we, we all think we like to think that we're above that, but we're not. We all have a lens that we filter the word of God through. It might be our heritage and that what we've been taught ever since we grew up. It might be because we come up from a particular theological line and, and we go, oh, well, this is the way that I perceive things. And, and so we filter it through a lens. And if that lens is good, we will receive truth and we will believe truth and we will surrender to the truth and will be transformed by the truth. And our whole body will be filled with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is A, a good thing, or B, a bad thing. A, it's a good thing, okay? But if we filter what we hear through a lens that is not good, through a lens that is coloured or distorted, it will no longer be pure light that comes in. The word will be discoloured. The word will be shadowed. The word will be twisted or contorted and muddled. And as Jesus said, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. 
But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. So, when we respond to the word of God, how we respond to Jesus depends on our perception. One must receive the light and not distort the light to be light. I'll say that again. One must receive the light and not distort the light to be light. Now, when it comes to to spiritual perception, there's two ways for the light that we take in to be bad light. The first way is to be attracted to the wrong light in the first place. So if we go back to photography, every photographer knows that to get a good photo, to capture a true image, the light's got to be good. If you want to capture an image of someone and there's a really bright light behind them, then it's just going to, the bright light's going to blow out and their face is going to be darkened. It'll be a terrible photo. Or if you want to take a photo under fluorescent lights, the colour temperature will be all wrong and the colours will all be wrong. We need to have the right sort of light. And when it comes to our spiritual perception, probably the most common way for us to take in darkness is to be attracted to darkness in the first place. You see, there's two types of filters on lenses. Some truly filter. They take stuff out. That's what a filter does. It takes stuff out. They take out certain colours. They take out certain wavelengths in the light spectrum. Some take out the brightness by tinting it and, and they leave darkness. And a darkened perception isn't attracted to the true light of Christ. A darkened perception only wants to hear what the flesh craves. And I'm astounded in the places that people will look for spiritual truth today. They'll look in all sorts of places, but they won't look to Jesus. Um, If you think of the Eastern religions, they seem to be the go-to place. You know, people look to the teachings of Buddha or embrace Hinduism or or they want to take up the spiritual practice of yoga or, I don't know, what is a bloke everyone wants to get their photo taken with? The Dalai Lama. Um, Some people now worship in, in Baha'i and it's, the strange things is it's, it's even trendy now to embrace Islam. I, I just can't comprehend that, the way trendy people are now starting to embrace Islam. But Jesus, oh, we'll never look at him. And look at the way the religions are portrayed in the media. They tiptoe around the other religions and, and try and say how good some of them are. But Christians, they generally wallop them with a hammer. A darkened perception is not attracted to the true light of Christ. But even within the Christian church, a darkened perception is not attracted to the true light of the word of Christ. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said in in 2 Timothy chapter 4, there's a time that's coming that people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to hear their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So Paul said that time's coming. Well, I'm pretty sure you realise that time is well and truly here. 
especially with the advent of the internet, you can find whatever teaching your flesh wants to hear. You can find whatever teaching is going to make you feel good about yourself, no matter what your perspective is. And a darkened spiritual perception will not listen to the truth. In fact, it filters truth out. You've probably heard people say before, oh, about their preacher. I don't want to hear about that sort of stuff. What is he going on about that sort of stuff? I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear this. And no matter what you want to hear, you'll find someone who'll feed it to you. So, for example, some folk never want to hear about sin. They certainly don't want to be convicted of their own sin. And so they find a teacher who never mentions it. They might talk about challenges. They might talk about circumstances. They might talk about struggles that you have in your life. Some may even talk about addictions that you have because, hey, that's a disease that you can be cured of. It's not your fault. But at no point will they speak the truth and name our problem as sin, something to be repented of because it's a rebellion against God within us. Or another example, and this is one that I bring up often and I'm going to keep addressing it because I believe this is the major heresy of our day. And that's the prosperity gospel and the word faith teaching that goes along with it. That message that claims God wants you to prosper in this life. It, it's that message that by faith you can have that breakthrough in your life and, and you, can, you can have wealth, wealth and a long life. All you've got to do is speak it into being. You know, you've all heard that sort of teaching. And some folk will only listen to a Bible teacher who will tell them this stuff because that's what their flesh wants to hear. What does the flesh want to hear? God's going to give you lots of enjoyable stuff and you're going to have lots of good times. That's what they want to hear. What they don't want to hear is like the word of Jesus that says, woe to you rich. They don't want to hear that. Or that bit in 1 Timothy that says that the craving after money takes people away from the faith and by craving it, they pierce themselves with many griefs. And they don't want to hear that bit where Jesus said that it's really hard for a rich man to get into heaven. Oh, but not that hard. No, only as hard as poking a camel through the eye of a needle. And they never want to hear that bit that Jesus said that whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. And they certainly don't want to hear that pesky promise that Jesus made. And the disciples seem to always talk about it as well, about how we will be persecuted and we will have troubles in this life. And so some folk will listen, sorry, will filter what they listen to and who they listen to and they will only listen to a teacher who won't teach the bits of God's truth that they don't want to hear. So even within the Christian church, a darkened perception will not take in the light of the truth of God's word. A darkened perception doesn't even want to hear it. And Jesus had told us that if we take in darkness, there will be darkness inside. 
And this is the thing with darkness, as, as Robin demonstrated in the kid's story before, darkness is simply an absence of light. So if we don't take in the full spectrum of God's teaching, we're not letting all the light in and we're left with darkness. The second way that the light that we, can take, that we take in can be bad, bad light, is for the lens to distort the word of God that we do here. All right, do you get the difference here? The first way um, is to take in darkness by rejecting the word of God and filtering it out. The second way is to distort the word of God, to twist it, to colour it, to dim it so that it's no longer the truth. Now, there's been times when we've we've had, and I'm glad to say it was only visitors, no offence to visitors today, by the way, um, but we've had some visitors come to church at various times and, and we've done what we do. We, we've read the scriptures, like we do, and then I've got up and taught on the word of God, like we do, and then afterwards, after church, they've come up to me afterwards and said, great message, great message. I fully agree with you. And, and then they'll share with me some crazy interpretation of scripture that they hold dear and they think that I've been approving. And I'm, uh, what do I do with that? It's sort of like, where were you for the last hour? It's, how could you have possibly got that out of that Bible reading? And that's nothing like what I said. How could you come to that position? I, I still don't know how to deal with things like that. It's just either be really offensive or, or just nod your head thinking, okay, hmm. Were they not listening at all? Well, yes, they were listening. But as the scriptures were being read and the whole time that I was teaching, the truth light of God's word was passing through a distorted lens and being clouded and darkened and twisted and contorted until it was so reshaped and so recolored that they could interpret it to what their flesh wanted to hear, to agree with their already preconceived ideas. And so what begins as light, the God's word, we can twist it and we can dim it through a distorted lens. And what we're left with is darkness. And that's why Jesus says, therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be dark. Be careful. We need to take care. Spiritual perception, how we perceive God's word, can be quite deceptive. And how we perceive Jesus can be deceptive. And so we need to be careful, otherwise we end up being filled with darkness. How could those so-called Christians at Weambilla possibly believe that it was a godly thing for them to entice the police to their property and then lie in wait so that they could ambush them and murder them? How could they possibly think that that was a godly thing for them to do? They listened only to teaching that lined up with their own crazy ideas and they twisted the scriptures to justify what they wanted to do, which was downright evil. 
Well, how could a Christian church today possibly think that it's okay for a man to marry another man? I'll tell you how. They won't listen to what God has said on the matter. They'll just discount those bits of the Bible completely. Don't want to hear that. And then they'll twist other bits of scriptures to fit their own agenda. And as they read the word of God, they're searching for something to fit what they want. And in some twisted way, in their, eye, in their eyes, they think they've found something that, that agrees with what they want to believe. Or how could a church pastor possibly believe that it's a godly thing for him to live in a mansion and fly in a private jet while millions of God's people can't afford to feed their families today. And why should I pick on pastors? What about the rest of us? How could we possibly think that's a good idea? It's because we filter out what God has to say about giving to those who are in need and giving to the poor. And we twist the scriptures to say, this is God blessing me. Or how could a Christian man justify beating his wife or having an affair? How could they do that? It's by filtering out what God has to say about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it's by filtering out that bit where God's word says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And then twisting the scriptures on, on that teaching that says about how others have to submit to us. Now, the, these are all extreme examples that I've given, but, but you got the point, haven't you? And don't think to yourself, well, I'm above that, because we all have a filter and we all have to be careful. Jesus said, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. How we perceive God's word determines whether we're taking in light or whether we're taking in darkness. So, how bright are you lot? How bright are you lot? I'm not asking how smart you are or how much education you've had. I'm asking how bright you are. Are you bright or are you a dull lot? One must receive the light and not distort the light to be light. What we are is related to what we take in and what we accept as being true. And a spiritually healthy person is filled with light, walks in the light and radiates light. And so we began that section by realising that Jesus is the lamp on the lampstand. His teaching isn't hidden. And if we accept his teaching without distorting his teaching, we are filled with his light. And then we radiate the light. What's the light? The word of God, the teaching of Jesus. And so in every generation, the word of God is proclaimed. In every generation, the word of God is not hidden. 
We put it out there to proclaim the greatness of Christ. And in so doing, we continue being that light on the stand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you that he wasn't kept hidden, that he was indeed and is indeed the light on the stand. You revealed yourself to us in him. We thank you for the teaching that he's given. We thank you for his teaching, which is recorded with the rest of your word in, in the scriptures. And Lord, we thank you that that we have the privilege of living in an age where the scriptures have never been easier to get a hold of and read. And Lord, we just pray now that as we read your word and as we hear your word proclaimed, Lord, we pray that you would open our spiritual eyes, that you would give us a, a perception that perceives things as they are, that we would not distort your word, but that we, that we would listen to your word, realising that, that it will often be very much against what our flesh wants to hear. But Lord, help us to receive that word, not distort that word, and to be changed by your word. And Lord, we pray even today that we would be changed by your word today, that we would then radiate light. In Jesus' name, amen.